Skip Williams, co-founder here at Kingsbridge BCP. I've been working in the BCP field since 1999, starting with my father on a Y2K project way back in 99. More than 20 years later, I've worked on more than 200 plans and also through my travels have won the 2014 BCI Consultant of the Year Award. Now it's time to share some knowledge. And I'm Roswita Firth, business continuity professional since 2000. I've been interested in pandemics almost my whole life because I grew up on, up on stories about how the 1968 pandemic affected my family. Since then, I've studied the history of the 1918 pandemic and helped companies develop pandemic plans beginning with SARS and H5N1 or the bird flu. And so with both of our introductions done, welcome to the Kingsbridge BCP podcast. This is episode one. So there might be a few rough spots, but trust me, we will be working on it to make things better as we work our way through. But one thing that will stay consistent all the way along is that we are here to talk all things BCP. Today, we're going to talk about hybrid workforce and how this can be a key component in your business continuity strategy. If you work in the corporate world, you're aware that the COVID pandemic led to both short and long-term changes in how we work. From organizations going 100% remote, so permanently giving up all of their or most of their office space to employers who brought staff back on site as soon as lockdown restrictions were lifted. Corporate America has responded to the challenges brought on by the pandemic in various ways. One of these is what's been described as the hybrid workforce. Today, we're going to talk about using the hybrid workforce as part of business continuity strategy and to share with you how to approach the decisions you'll need to make as you evaluate what's right for your company and your business continuity plan. First, a bit of background on how we did or did not adapt to COVID when the pandemic first started. In early 2020, as the novel coronavirus, now called COVID-19, took over news waves in the U.S. and abroad, uh, governments and companies were forced to shut down all but most of their essential work. Only the critical tasks needed to keep society and the economy functioning were kept operating. Organizations responded to the challenge in a variety of ways, from working remotely at pre-COVID capacity to furloughs to layoffs, the responses were varied based on region, vertical, industry, or capabilities. Adapting to a changing set of restrictions on personal movement and collective gatherings, business faced many cha challenges many did not anticipate. Even though many large companies had developed pandemic plans by at least 2009, after becoming aware of the H1N1 swine flu, some were stale, and most did not account for the severity of impact that we actually faced. On top of that, organizations who hadn't thoroughly exercised their business continuity plans ran the risk of stumbling in the transition to work from home. For example, employees who weren't using, used to using VPN flooded service desks with tickets, weren't productive, and sort of panicked. Even worse, some IT departments weren't prepared for the bandwidth requirements. In the early days of the pandemic, this left employers unprepared for mandates, shutdowns, quarantines, and severely restricted movement. Compounding all of these effects were the supply chain shortages, which affected companies and their workforce, further reducing capabilities and hopefully expectations. You're right. When your employees are worried about getting toilet paper and groceries, you can be sure they're not focused on your business. They're busy trying to figure out which grocery store has bread and hand sanitizer. As more and more people became ill with COVID, even healthy employees with no ill family or friends experienced COVID stress, impacting employee mental health and productivity. 
And then the buzzword pivot became a hot topic. There's a lot of talk about how companies did or did not pivot when their existing business model, product or service wasn't as critical in early days of the pandemic. These initial lessons learned led to endless discussion on whether employees could be productive working from home, as well as very valid concerns about supporting employees isolated at home. Aside from believing it's the right thing to do, I strongly believe that companies who put their workforce first experienced more employee loyalty than those that did not. Yeah, this has been a major change in how corporate America works. First, people work from home in record numbers. According to the National Council of Compensation Insurance, about 35% of all workers transitioned to remote work in the spring of 2020. At the same time, 75% of office-based employees and professional employees became remote workers. Yeah, and second, the great resignation. Record numbers of employees quit their jobs in 2021. The trend continues, but now we are seeing more of them switch jobs rather than leaving the workforce entirely. Regardless of reason, the turnover rates affect institutional knowledge, new hire training, and continuity plans. No kidding. It's not an exaggeration to say that just this transition to the hybrid workforce has been the largest disruption to corporate America in the past 70 years. So while the internet and the email replaced paper processes, they didn't functionally change how we work. Okay. Many mask mandates and travel restrictions have expired, and there seems to be no appetite for any serious restrictions if we experience another wave of cases. I'm not sure how serious a variant would have to be for across-the-board restrictions in affected locations. Of the eight U.S. states where new cases are growing, only one, Washington state, has tightened restrictions as a result. remote or hybrid work to their employees who perform work that can be done remotely. From tech giants such as Google and Facebook to more traditional companies like Ford and JP Morgan Chase, many employers offer the kind of flexibility that employees want to have. The option to work remotely is a key benefit employers can offer. The control of your life means more to most employees than ping pong tables and couches. In addition to convenience, 100% remote working allows employees to move where it's less expensive to live or to be near family. This control allows employees to achieve certain goals like house ownership or starting a family sooner than if they stayed in a career-focused, higher-priced, major metropolitan area. Some companies have or said they will return to a standard in-office model with only occasional work from home, such as for a sick child. So... Let's look at what you need to evaluate to make the best decision for your company. Again, we're talking about functions that have already been remote. Given the great resignation numbers and that most are from job switching currently, if your return to work policy is inflexible, you run the risk of losing valuable employees and increasing your turnover rates. Keep in mind that turnover costs are significant. For example, a company with 100 employees with an average salary of 50,000 or so can spend between $600,000 and $2.5 million annually. 
you need to consider what it costs your company in money and time. So how do your BCP teams look? Have you or your BCP owners in the business units reviewed your BCP to ensure all roles are still filled? What does this review process look like? Are you doing this more frequently to account for long-term absences or employee separation? Has this process been documented? You also want to consider the softer things like the effect on morale. If you stick to your return to work policy, you could lose upwards of 20% of your workforce. Is your business ready for a shortage of knowledgeable employees? It forces people to make a choice. Do I want a career or do I want control over my life? As a business owner, you should be avoiding risk. Why risk a 20% loss of employees in a, for a line in the sand? You may win this battle, but you will lose the war. So let's put some numbers to our 100 employee company that Rosweta mentioned earlier. Let's say you draw the line in the sand and you set a date when all employees need to return to the office. Pre-COVID, it was accepted that 24% of employees are missing on any given day due to outside obligations, kids, families, appointments, PTO, et cetera. So that means our company is down to 76 people at work on any given day. If that number bumps up to 35% absenteeism due to anything, so bad weather, you know, mm -hmm. anything you can possibly imagine, we're sitting at 65 people at their desks. On top of this, you roll the dice and are sticking firm on your return to work date which will cost you another 20 people. So now we're down to 45 people of your 100 person company. We're not done with waves of cases passing through communities and your states or even the whole country. So let's just say the next wave claims another 20%, which isn't really all that high considering everything we've been through for the past few years. Now you're down to 25% of people out of your original 100 people. Not, it's not all due to sticking to a return to work motto. The job market is too good right now for employees to stay put at a job that they don't enjoy or they have to work for a company that doesn't do a good job of taking care of its employees. Basically, don't create your own disaster by putting into place a too strict return to work policy that alienates your workforce. The cost is too high. So now that we've talked about how a hybrid workforce has been a major disruptor to the corporate status quo in America, Tell me what direction you think things will go, Skip. Well, I guess the easiest way to look at it is we'll start with the, ex the example we have from above. So remember our 100-person company from above? It sounded like the power had shifted to the employees. It's, not re it's really more of a power shift as opposed to tipping the scale one way or the other. Mm -hmm. The company can stick to their line in the sand and survive. It can have a 100% remote workforce and survive. It can go the hybrid model and survive. What it can't survive is having an unproductive workforce. The employees must remain productive regardless of where they are, if this company has any hope in surviving. And as you asked me to look into a crystal ball and give my opinion, I'd give the 100% remote workforce about three years and the five-year hybrid workforce about five years and the 100% return to the office will win out in the long run. Maybe not how it was pre-COVID, but everyone will be back in the office eventually. 
Uh, I'm going to have to disagree here. I think that this will continue at almost the same pace because of the cost savings of real estate, for example, um, and uh, some industry leaders choosing to either go 100% virtual and giving up their office space to um, doing a hybrid model and rotating people through teams. Employers who can offer 100% remote or virtual first will win the hiring game. As Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg said, when you limit hiring to people who live in a small number of big cities or who are willing to move there, that cuts out a lot of people who live in different communities, have different backgrounds, have different perspectives. I say, why would you hamstring your organization from hiring the best talent? It just doesn't make sense in today's world. True. And I'm not saying I'm from a yester world, but as a co-founder of a business, here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to hire the best resource for the job. I don't care where you are. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you are. As a business owner, I care that you deliver the agreed upon work at the agreed upon time with the agreed upon content. In short, we agreed yesterday that you'd have five pages of BCP response tasks on my desk or email inbox by this morning at 9 a.m. If your dog eats your homework, you should have A, contacted me to let me know it might be late, B, pulled an all-nighter to meet your deadline, had your dog's stomach pumped, trust me, I don't need that email to my <laughs> inbox, or D, work in an environment that ensures you get your work done and now your misadventures are costing the company money while everybody waits for you to get your homework done. That is going to be the part that I foresee being the biggest limitation to the hybrid workforce in the future. So you're saying that when employees aren't on site, they can't necessarily be trusted to deliver that work on time? I think they can. But I think a lot of companies, if they start to miss their numbers, if their numbers get a little soft, their management's going to look at it and say, we don't know what they're doing at home, and they're going to bring it back in. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying, yes. Okay. And with that food for thought. Thanks for joining us today as we explore the challenges and the opportunities of a hybrid workforce. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Go to our website, kingsbridgebcp.com, for more business continuity stuff. Our next podcast will focus on how the hybrid workforce changes business continuity planning.